news that we knew was coming, but still doesn't make it any easier to swallow if you're a Patriots fan. J.C. Jackson just announced in the, this last hour that he has signed with the Los Angeles. But still doesn't make it any oh, easier to swallow. And I got stuff going on in the background. God, you, you, you can't help but listen to your own. You love the sound of your own voice that much. It's a long day, all right? A five-year, $82.5 million deal for J.C. Jackson with the Los Angeles Chargers. Getting the bag, indeed, $40 million guaranteed, $26 million signing bonus from the Chargers. Now, on the surface, I understand that people take this deal and they say 82.5 divided by five is only like $16.5 million per year. That's not that much for J.C. Jackson, but you have to look at the way that the contract pays him out in the first couple of years, $40 million guaranteed in the first two seasons fully he's getting walking away after the first two years with 40 million bucks after the third season he's walking away with 54 million dollars so i reported earlier today that the best offer i heard the patriots made around the combine which jc jackson corroborated with phil perry uh, just now that that is when when the patriots made their offer was a three-year, $51 million deal. Three years worth a total value of $51 million. So we're getting a little too caught up in APYs. The Patriots were never close to making an offer as big as what the Chargers gave J.C. Jackson here today. And that right there is just what it all, you know, kind of sums it all up. The Patriots were never going to go here, Alex. They were never going to go this big with J.C. Jackson, and he moves on to the Chargers, and now the Patriots have some work to do in their secondary. Yeah, you know, and and you go back to if people want to be mad at the team, I don't know that today's is what you're mad about. I think you go back to them not using them for the franchise tag and either yeah. making sure you keep them for one more year or trying to work on that, you know, a long-term deal. Yeah, no, they, they've got their work cut out for them. Um, again, it was something we all thought would happen. They've kind of been behind the eight ball at cornerback. This is multiple years coming. This isn't just out of nowhere. If you're surprised suddenly that they're short at corner, you really haven't been following along. But this becomes a theme. You know, I published my, my Patriots' biggest needs this morning before everything started. I have cornerback listed first. I also have cornerback listed third. Boundary corner specifically. It's it's that kind of situation. And we talked about this a little bit before they're in a spot with Hightower and Bentley also pending for agents. They either have the option to, or might have to, depending on how you look at it, overhaul, not just their defensive personnel, but their defensive scheme, right? You need a certain kind of corner yeah. to play the way the Patriots want to play new England. Those guys aren't necessarily readily available last year, right? When you had at least one guy, you can kind of fudge it on the other side. Uh, they don't have the one guy now. They really like Jalen Mills, a nice player, but he's not that, that he's not, you know, that's not the style he plays. So right. it's either, you know, they got to find a couple of man corners or find a bunch of zone corners and rotate. But this is now free agency, the draft. They're going to have to hit on a UDFA. I mean, they got their work cut out for them at the cornerback spot. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think it's worth mentioning. I understand that right now it feels like the sky is falling on the Patriots and J.C. Jackson's gone, one of your best young players. But we're at 6 o'clock right now on the first day of the legal tampering period. Right. There's a, a long, long way we, to go. 
let me say it because I see that we're, we're doing the sky is falling thing. And oh, yeah. thanks a lot, Bill. And oh, I don't know how I'm going to watch this team. I think a lot of people forgot after last year what this is like, right? right. We've been down this road. We've been through this years and years. Day one of free agency was just wo- woe and misery. And they were able to figure it out. Why aren't they spending like last year? They showed they'd spend. Now they won't. The Patriots always spend right up to the cap. The difference is last year they had historic cap space because they had so much dead money coming off the books from 2020. This isn't any different than anything they've done for the last 20 years. This is still pretty much to this point by the book. That doesn't mean it's good, but it's nothing out of the ordinary so far. Yeah, I, really, this is not any surprise to anybody. Us, the Patriots, nobody. When the Patriots made that offer to J.C. Jackson in the beginning of March, they knew, and I reported last week, that they were never close to a deal, that they knew that they were worlds apart from where they were going to be able to bridge that gap. So the Pats have been planning for a while now moving on, from moving on from J.C. Jackson. So there's definitely some sort of plan in place now uh, moving forward. I I would definitely make the argument if you wanted to that maybe this was a last year problem that they didn't really foresee happening. And they end up bringing back JC on that second round tender instead of extending him potentially last off season. I I know that they tried to make an offer to him in season during the 2021 campaign and Jackson just said, you know, this isn't close right now. Let's talk about this after the season. So I, I just think that there's, there has to be a plan in place. And if there's not, then we can, you know, react to that accordingly. Right now, you mentioned potentially a philosophical change of where this defense is going. Carlton Davis and J.C. Jackson Davis going back to Tampa Bay. Jackson going to the Chargers are the two big dominoes to fall in the cornerback market. So now we're going to start to see the rest of this cornerback market start to fill in. Now, I think the Patriots are going to be in the market for a veteran corner. Obviously, it's not going to be at the price point that J.C. Jackson was, but somebody like I threw out this morning in Darius Williams from the Rams, who does have a lot of experience and exposures to zone coverages. So maybe that does tell you that they're pointed in more of that direction. I think he's a, a potential add for them. Uh, somebody like Kyle Fuller now, I think, becomes a little bit more of a realistic possibility. We've talked about James Bradbury or trading for James Bradbury in the past. Now I think they're going to turn their attention to those lower price points, try to get some value at that cornerback spot and essentially add another Jalen Mills like player. And so that they can go into the draft, hopefully draft somebody with some higher upside then, and then go about it that way. I want to talk about the zone thing in a second, but how, what do you think about the rest of this cornerback market and who is somebody that you have your eye on that you wouldn't mind seeing them obviously make a, a fair offer to, you know, somebody that the realistic possibility. I don't even know at this point. I mean, this is, it's, it's not like a, Oh, you can't replace JC Jackson thing. This is outside of Jackson and Davis, just a really weak market. And that's why I'm surprised. I like, like you kind of laid it out there. Jackson's deal is worth more than it ultimately looks on paper. It's not as shockingly below market as maybe it felt at first. I'm still surprised, especially with the way the wide receiver market is just absolutely popping off. I'm yeah. still surprised he ended up getting more of that just compared to what else is out there. Again, behind him and Davis, you know, I'd like to say Stephon Gilmore. In theory, Stephon Gilmore is the right guy for this situation on a one-year deal. Who knows what the hell that situation is, though. Darius Williams is somebody you've brought up. Uh, Charvarius Ward. 
I don't hate the idea of Joe Hayden yeah. on a one-year deal. And then, you know, you put a kid next to him like Booth or Elam, like an investment, right? right. Um, I, I don't, as much as I've been talking about it, because I think it's something that's worth a talking point, I don't, I wouldn't go to zone. I wouldn't go to zone. I wouldn't do that. Even if that's maybe the, even if that's maybe easier in the short term, there's a reason it's easier to get zone corners. There's a reason it's easier to play zone defense. I still want to see them try to pursue man corners. I think you go one year veteran, you go with a kid and then you revit. And, and Bradbury's interesting too. I didn't say Bradbury because I was looking at the list of free agents. Bradbury, yeah. uh, you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what his value is on the trade market. I won't give up a top 100 pick for him. But yeah. get him for a day three pick, fine, whatever, right? Um, but I would go veteran corner, first round pick, top 50 pick, pair them, and then revisit next year. I think that's – it's not necessarily a good situation, but I think that that's the best thing you can do in this in this spot. Like, this is where they are. Right, so it's interesting. They're not that- getting Stingley. He's not falling. Hey, yeah. If they can get Stingley, awesome. If they get Stingley, that's great. I yeah. think the kid's going to be a freaking stud. It's not happening. Stop. So uh, the one thing that I would say is you mentioned Tredavious Ward. There we go. J.C. Jackson's number on an average annual basis didn't come in at the $20 million mark that we thought it might. I thought that that deal with the Chargers was going to be closer to five years, $100 million. That's not where we're at, right? 82 and a half. You look at uh, Carlton Davis. His deal was three years, $45 million with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Tredavious Ward, who I think a lot of people thought was going to come in at where maybe Carlton Davis came in, and then J.C. was going to be even higher than that. Now all of a sudden maybe you could get that player for $12, $13 million a year. It seems like the cornerback market, for whatever reason, is not following suit with the wide receivers. Like it's kind of silly because you have to have – guys to cover the receivers everybody's paying but that's not really where it's going right now so I think that there is maybe more of a chance than I initially thought that Jadavius Ward could be in their market he is definitely somebody that's better than the Jalen Millses of the world he's not JC Jackson but he's also better than those other guys right he's better than Darius Williams he's better than uh, a Mills from last year or something like that so maybe that's a direction that a door that opens up a little bit more now for the Patriots but certainly big shoes to fill with JC Jackson I want to talk about the zone thing real fast you mentioned that you didn't want to go to zone my general feeling on it is that the Patriots don't want to go to zone either. I I think that there are some things to be said for it from a game plans perspective, just like last year, there are times when zone is a better strategy against a certain quarterback. Like there was a stretch there last season where the Patriots played a lot more zone coverage. When I brought it up to Steve Belichick last year, when they were in that stretch in that seven game winning streak. And he said there, everybody in the building wants to play man. We are a man coverage defense. Everybody here wants to play man coverage. We're not going to ever fully go away from being a man coverage defense. So as much as I understand why people think that they're going to have to play more zone just because they don't have the horses in the back end to play man and match up one-on-one against everybody, I don't think that that's going to be a full-time switch where all of a sudden we're going to be talking about the Patriots running a Seattle three system or the, uh, you know, cover two or quarter structure defenses that Staley and the Rams run. I think we're going to talk a lot more about 
game plan, stuff like that, that they've always done. Right. Like, I think that that's what we're always going to come back to. So, yeah, I I, I think that there is a chance that we could see a closer to 50 50 split like we saw last year when it comes to zone coverage versus man coverage. But I don't think the Patriots are ever going to uh, to use a a term that, you know, they often use with me. I don't think the Patriots are are ever going to major in zone coverage. I I, I think that it's always going to be something that's going to be in their bag but it's not something that they're going to major in. And when they do play zone, it's going to be match zone anyway. So when you're playing on the boundary in a match zone coverage system, you're essentially playing man coverage anyways, right? Yeah. If you go, the receiver runs under, you're passing it off. But if he runs any sort of vertical stem, you're playing man coverage down the field anyway. So I don't know how much of a difference it really makes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you explained it well. I, I get, again, I, there's a reason it's worth talking about, but I, I agree with you. They, and that's how it should be. Right. But it just means it's that much harder to get the guys you want. Cause there's more zone corners than man corners. I want to take a second to shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code clns50 to get started and it's not just basketball bet online is your source for hockey boxing and ufc odds right to the olympic coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite vegas casino games bet online is your number one online wagering destination bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts yeah it is and uh, we will talk plenty about the draft you know we've talked about a lot of the corners in the draft already just in anticipation of jc jackson leaving and now officially signing with the los angeles chargers and we've talked about the Washington DBs, Kyler Gordon, Trent McDuffie, a- Andrew Boot Jr. from Clemson. Um, you know, Kyer Ilum certainly has rose up boards since the combine, since running in the high four threes from Florida. Another one. I know Florida DBs probably give Patriots fans nightmares, but uh, that's sort of where we're going right now, I think, at the top of the draft. And uh, then it really presents itself. I think the biggest issue that I see uh, with this, with JC Jackson leaving, is that you're now opening a gigantic hole in your secondary where you can't necessarily look for that wide receiver that everybody would love for right. the Patriots to add. So if you have to draft a corner with your top pick, with your premium pick, then how are you now going to get that upside wide receiver? We've seen today Christian Kirk was sort of the first domino to fall, but the first domino of many of what we've seen out of this wide receiver market. I mean, it is absolutely nuts out there that Christian Kirk, who has yet to have a 1,000-yard season in his NFL career, is averaging a higher AAV 
than JC Jackson. <laughs> like he's the guy's making 17, 18 million dollars a year. He's never made a Pro Bowl. It's crazy. I, I reported earlier that Marquez Valdez Scanling is thinking about in the 12 million dollar range as a player that the Patriots have kicked the tires on. They did inquire on Cedric Wilson, which I thought was probably one of the best value contracts we're going to see all free agency. He's not a needle mover by any means, but just the fact that the Miami Dolphins got Cedric Wilson on reasonable dollars is something that maybe that was a wide receiver contract we would have seen three or four years ago. Now it kind of feels like now it's an underpay for a guy like Cedric Wilson, believe it or not. The wide receiver market is going bananas, and now you don't have the opportunity to use your first round pick on a wide receiver necessarily because you still need corners. So where do the Patriots go from here at wide receiver? Because now Allen Robinson, some of these other guys that are coming up. And I would also mention if even if you trade for somebody, that guy is going to immediately want a new contract because the contracts that are coming out now are just absolutely bonkers. And the other thing I would add to that too you know, they lost Ted Karras today as well, right? So you figure Michael and when going to slot in as the left guard. Well, Trent yeah. Brown's still a pending free agent. Right. So we don't know what's going to happen with him. Mike Reese over the weekend said he's leaning towards like Reese himself. If he had a project is leaning towards Brown right. signing elsewhere. It's another premium position. You might need to use a premium pick, not a great right tackle class. And Marcus Cannon got cut today. Like maybe they go that way, but is that who you want over there? Left tackle may be a yeah. need too with Isaiah Wynn in the final year of his deal. These are premium positions you need to you need to add at. And the reality of the wide receiver position right now is adding there is a luxury. You yeah. have NFL caliber players across the board. They might not be top tier players, but you have NFL caliber players across the board. You have one NFL caliber corner on your roster right now with Jalen Mills, and he's right. more of a hybrid corner safety than a corner. Assuming Trent Brown leaves. I don't, do you have an NFL caliber right tackle on your roster? Well, Michael Onwenu, but now you need to add a guard, right? So it's like you said, it's catching up to them very quickly. Yeah. Now, a lot of time left. Brown right. comes back, boom, that right tackle issue's off the board, right? They signed, there are a couple right tackles out there. Uh, I don't think any of them, I got to pull up my notes here. I don't believe any of them have signed uh, Morgan Moses, Riley Reef. Uh, if Fetty shell now there's some, there's some bigger money there, but we know they'll, they'll pay on the offensive line. I don't believe any of those guys signed. Correct me if I'm wrong. So again, no. this can, you know, is all subject to change, but right now, as it stands, wide receiver is more of a want than a need. That doesn't mean they can't add to it, but it's, it's more, it's more of a want than a need. You can go in with this wide receiver class again, NFL, NFL caliber across the board. You're going to go in with Yasir Durant as your starting right tackle, with right. Juwan Williams as your starting outside corner. That's going to be a problem. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on this, especially with how deep the wide receiver class is this year in the draft. You can get somebody with some high upside, with some potential on uh, in the middle rounds, right? A third or fourth round pick on a wide receiver could potentially turn into a starter down the line or somebody with some good upside down the line. And that's a situation where with Nelson Aguilar, too, I would argue that looking at what Christian Kirk got today and hearing some of the figures that are being floated out for the rest of this wide receiver market right now, the Nelson Aguilar contract doesn't look as bad. It's still not good, right? But it doesn't look as bad as it maybe did 24 look, hours ago. If they didn't overpay Nelson Aguilar last year, they're overpaying Christian Kirk this year, right? It's yeah. that kind. It's That's basically what it is. It's a pick your poison. 
Right, exactly. So that that's a big thing, I think, in this situation to remember is Nelson Aguilar's contract is still bad, but it's te- definitely not as bad as it could have been. And the Patriots are probably – the one thing that I think the Patriots might have been a little bit ahead of was the fact that this wide receiver market was going to take off. Some people thought it was going to take off last year because of the COVID season and because of the adjustment in the cap due to COVID. It didn't take off in free agency as much last year as people thought. Now it's taking off this year. So Nelson Aguilar this year probably makes double what the Patriots paid him last year. Right. right? The the other thing too, sorry to cut you off. The other thing, what did Kirk get? Four years? Yeah. Five years? Four? It might have been five. Four? Yeah. Five? Aguilar, the point being, Aguilar is two. So that, they didn't run this thing out with him, which I think also you're seeing some of the, and you saw it with Jackson too. The fifth year teams are now using, now that there's a little more, what's the word security in terms of the cap, like a lot of the COVID stuff in terms of what it's doing to the the league financially is in the rear view mirror. It's a lot more settled. It's not as volatile. That's the word I'm looking for. The cap situation isn't as volatile. I think what you're seeing today is teams are more comfortable than they were in 2020 and 2021, giving players longer term deals. Again, Aguilar too. the big deal today. I think what's ultimately going to be the big mistake wide receiver deal Christian Kirk getting 20 something million a year, whatever or it's not 20, but it's like 18 a year, whatever it is. Yeah. Or is it 20? It's that's a, four, that's four or five years. So sorry, I've been yeah. looking at a lot of numbers today. It's hard yeah, to get online, but it's tough. Yeah. Um, I think that certainly helps. Yeah. So I, like you said, it stinks. I, it's a bummer because I think wide receivers as a topic, as a discussion, we all love to discuss wide receivers. I love watching wide receivers, position, sure. wide receivers, but now with Aguilar born and Myers on that RFA tender, the Patriots placed on him a second round tender that nobody is really expected to sign him to an offer sheet at this point. That's going to be what Jay, uh, Jacoby Myers is going to be back on next year with Jacoby Myers and those three guys back. It becomes less of a of a number one need for the Patriots. It just it becomes less of a need that they can fill immediately this year. It's a luxury. It's, it's a luxury. luxury. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Corner linebacker still to me are the two things that we have to talk about the most. We're gonna get to linebacker a little bit and, later and, and tackle. Those are the three. I want to put that yeah. in there because I think it's well, just I want to see it to the offensive line okay. now. So Ted Karras signs this three-year, $18 million deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. The Patriots came in at three for 15. Then they went down to three for 13. They end up losing the player. And uh, he goes to Cincinnati at three for 18. So now the Pats are back in a situation where Michael Onwenu is your starting left guard, at least projected into next season. Trent Brown's an interesting one. He's a Rosenhaus guy. We know the Patriots have a great relationship with Drew Rosenhaus. And he's also somebody that has clearly played his best ball as a New England Patriot. So I think that there is some something to be said here that Trent Brown could potentially stay put. He's not going back to the Raiders. Like, I understand they have a new regime. It's all Patriots guys. Carm Brasello's over there, too, as the offensive line coach for the Patriots last year. But I just don't see whichever Davis it is now, Al Davis's Mark. son, right? Mark Davis paying a guy he just paid, right? And and, and bringing him back uh, for really any argument that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels can come up with. So I think Trent Brown stays with the Patriots because this is 
where he feels the most comfortable and where he's played his best football. So that could potentially fill a hole there. But the optics of Justin Haran being a part of the starting equation on the line is a little bit shaky, especially at right tackle where he has been not been as good. When he's at left tackle, he's been okay. At right tackle, it's not been very pretty for Justin Haran. So now tackle becomes another part of this conversation since we know Onwenu is probably going to kick inside. Yeah, I mean, that's – and you summed it up, you know, well there. And let's say – like, they, again, it, we're doing this one day into the offseason, and there's still however many more days of free agency, and then right. the draft, and then the second stage of free agency, and, like, a lot can change, right? They could add a guard. They could add a guard tomorrow, and then Mike going, when is your tackle, and you're set. You're good. The offensive line is done. But I think the way you 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 want to look at it realistically is go through the – you know, we, we call it a two deep, which is essentially the depth chart, right? Right. What positions don't they have start, you know, put, put a red mark or highlight where they don't have a starter, right? Tack either right tackle or left guard is highlighted right now. You know, if whatever you want to do with Michael and Wenu, um, and that's going to be a need. That's going to be a big need. It's not going to be a cheap need to fill primary positions on the offensive line, especially if they're going to fill it a tackle. Um, Yeah. That's that. That's now a question. So you're optimistic, Dove, in Brown coming back because I feel like most of the consensus thinking has been that he could go elsewhere and try to chase a contract. Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic that he comes back because of all the things that he said during the season last year. And I get that money talks, and eventually the Patriots are going to have to shell out a competitive contract in order to keep him here. But the way I see it is that Trent Brown numerous times said that he personally feels comfortable playing for the Patriots and that season that he spent with the or two seasons he spent with the Vegas Raiders he was in a pretty dark place with the Raiders I right. mean a lot of things were happening off the field for him too with his brother and, and things like that and his own personal health and there were other variables that played into that but I think for the most part he felt like a fish out of water when he was in Vegas and I don't see, even if he chases the money elsewhere, and you know, money is obviously a great thing to have, I don't see necessarily him being 100% comfortable with being elsewhere at this point. And I do think that he would take a little bit more of a team-friendly deal. You have to remember the Raiders, uh, they gave him a lot of guaranteed money on that contract he signed. So he's sort of already want, you know, made that money, right? He's already gotten right. a bag once before. So it's not like he's never gotten paid. I think there is a chance that the Patriots could get Trent Brown to come back on a more team-friendly deal. Now, the indication, though, I will say, is with Ted Karras, they they made it a competitive offer to keep Ted Karras. That might signal to you how they're doing in the Trent Brown sweepstakes, right? If they're going hard after Ted Karras, then they probably weren't planning on paying Trent Brown. So right. we'll see where they kind of pivot there but I think other teams based off of what happened last year uh, last couple of seasons with the Raiders and Trent Brown are going to be really reluctant to give that player a big time contract even you know a contract that spans multiple seasons like the Raiders did a couple of years ago so just to backtrack to something you just said you know what does the Karras deal what do we know about their pursuit what does you know their pursuit of Karras mean for their plans going forward I actually looked at it slightly differently if they're pursuing Karras as hard as they did, does that mean they view Michael Owen when it was the right tackle? They right? could. Could yeah. be the flip side of that. It could be, hey, you know, if we get Karras, 
And then when it goes back to right tackle, we have our starting five in place. So that's how I read it. I think, you know, what you said about Trent Brown too, is they wanted Karras because they feel like, you know, without him or, or, you know, they'd rather him than Brown, whatever it may be. But um, I still, I have no idea what they're going to do with Owen. I don't think we're going to know until the start of the season, but that's just how I read that. You know, if we want to follow the tea leaves, the breadcrumbs, whatever you want to call it. I will say it's probably a little bit easier, especially for a team like the Patriots that have such a good history with scouting offensive linemen. It's probably a little bit easier to find a guard than it is to find a right tackle in, in the draft. I think there's a chance that Dante Scarnecchia, who does still consult for the Patriots and do some scouting and on the draft side of things, could pluck a, a left guard out of the sixth round from from Michigan, you know, or someplace like right. that. And all of a sudden they got this player, right? You know, it, it's that spot I feel like is a little bit easier for them to find somebody, a starting caliber, solid guard. You could also look at, okay, they were offering three years, 18 million to Ted Karras. I haven't taken a, a long look at the guards available in unrestricted free agency, but they also could give a solid veteran stopgap starter a one-year contract to come here and play guard uh, for the Patriots as well. Maybe they view that guy as James Ferentz, but uh, I don't think so. I don't know. It, it just I, – I think that there's a lot of options there at guard and even at right tackle already on the Jeez. roster, and I'm not too concerned with the fe- – Did your mic just like totally – did you hear that? Or was that just me? Maybe it was just you. I like high pitched screaming. That's why I just twitched. I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, that's probably all of New England right now because apparently, right. based off the comments, everybody is ready to jump off the Tobin Bridge. So I, I can understand it. But like you said, Alex, I think last year kind of spoiled us a little bit about how things go with free agency with the Patriots. And as much as I don't want to carry the water for the team too much. Let's also keep in perspective how many times the Patriots have let a cornerback walk in Bill Belichick's tenure in New England. And every single time people say that it's going to come back to bite him, right? When they let Ty Law come back or walk and, oh, no, it's we're in trouble. They let Asante Samuel walk and it's, oh, no, we're in trouble. And they let Malcolm Butler walk and it's, oh, no, we're in trouble, right? You know, the Patriots seem to find their level pretty much all the time when it comes to these things. And Maybe they had. Maybe they know something that we don't about giving that kind of contract to J.C. Jackson as well. I'm not gonna like speculate or anything, but maybe there's a possibility that they know a little bit more about the player than we do. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, the one thing I would say to that is, so you mentioned a couple names there, right? They move on from Gilmore to leave. They move on from Revis Butler. They always had the next guy in place. The real comp is Asante Samuel. That is is the, the the situation that this mirrors best. And let's not forget, Samuel went on. He had an all-pro season in Philly. He then got hurt, but he went on. He still played well in Philly. Meanwhile, the Patriots went through their longest stretch with Brady without reaching a conference championship game. And those were the Hank Poteet teams, the right. Moreland teams, your yeah, no, Edelman it's... out there playing corner. Like that to me is the difference. I think you're, you're, you're right. I think in general, when they've moved on from corners, it's been the right move. Obviously moving on from Revis when he did, just keeping that to one year worked out. Moving on from Tlaib when they did made sense. I would even say moving on from Butler when they did make sense. But they, you could even argue Gilmore. Because they had Jackson and then Jalen Mills played well last year. There's no next guy. There's no next guy. There's no, you know, that guy's not here. That's the difference. That's the difference in the situation. Now, if they go out 
and they drafted it. Like maybe they're watching Andrew Booth and they just know, hey, this kid from day one is going to be locked down in the NFL. If yeah. they pull that off, then yeah, then this was the right move and we can revisit this then. But outside of that, I mean, there's no obvious next guy in place. Yeah, it's never it's never a good move to lose a 26-year-old Pro Bowler. Like, that stinks. Right. It, it stinks for everybody. It stinks for people internally that they lost J.C. Jackson. But the point is, they have a value system. Other than last year, they've stuck to it. And until we see the next couple of dominoes to fall, I, I just – we cannot overreact fans. If you guys want to go and overreact and yell at us in the chat and, and get all mad about it, then I totally understand. But for right now, you, you got to let this whole thing play out and, and let's see what happens in the next couple of dominoes to fall. Uh, some of the additions we talked about all the losses, you know, uh, with JC obviously being the big one and Ted Karras, uh, the Patriots did lock up Devin McCourty. This came last night right before Tom Brady announced he was coming back to the NFL and coming back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and right in the middle of uh, Kevin Garnett's Jersey retirement as well. So this was a quite the timing for Devin McCourty, but they did bring Devin McCourty back on a one year deal worth a total value of $9 million. We haven't officially gotten the exact salary structure yet, but your reaction to the Patriots bringing back Devin McCourty, this one felt like, a bridge too far, meaning if they also lost Devin this offseason, then now we're talking about a complete rebuild on defense. And it's going to that would have been, I think, a complete disaster. Yeah, if if they lost Devin McCourty on top of J.C. Jackson, I'd be with some of you in the comments talking about what are we doing? I saw somebody right. say five and twelve. Like if they lost Devin, too, I might be on board with that. I he people underrate the value he brings. I don't think people understand how important that position is on this defense. I, for whatever reason, it seems like a bunch of people only watched the Houston game last year talking about how he can't play outside yeah. of that game. And look, he was bad in that game. I think he called it the worst game of his career. Right. But outside of that game, he was a top 10 free safety in football last year. I'm yeah. least top five, but he was top 10. He's a very productive player. He's a good player. Getting him back when you're going to have a young, inexperienced secondary guys new in the system, having that voice back there is big. Dante Hightower could leave too, so he's going to be your veteran leader on defense. It's a one-year deal. The other thing is people are mad about the money. It's one year, $9 million. He had void years in his contract that were going to kick in, I think, on the 16th, yes, right? Or right whatever Wednesday year. is. Yeah, so yeah. By, sign, by, re, by bringing Devin McCourty back on the deal they did, they actually opened up cap space. In 2022, he would have cost them more to not play than it would to have him on the team, the way his old contract was structured. That at no point, it's a no brainer. Yes, they didn't have anybody behind him. Yes, that is an issue. And they should go out and try to at least, you know, take a shot in the dark on somebody this year who can maybe be the heir apparent. I don't know if it's Daxton Hill in the first round that feels a bit pricey. I would just want to look at day three options. And if none of them hit, we talk about it being a primary need next year if McCourty ultimately hangs it up. But, yes, getting him back for a number of reasons, a big, big deal. They got him at a good price. Again, they opened cap money by signing him. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Uh, that was the right move, right move through and through. Yeah, so the 
most likely thing here that the Patriots most likely kick the void years down the road on this contract to keep that uh, cap hit low this season. So now instead of his contract voiding on Wednesday, it most likely voids next year going into the 2023 league year. But the reason why the Patriots can do this is because Devin McCourty is either retiring or he's playing for the Patriots. He's not going anywhere else. So if he's going to come back, then next year this time, they'll just sign him to another one-year deal and then another right. one-year deal, and they'll just keep kicking the can down the road until he eventually retires, and there he'll have the dead cap from any retirement like any retired player would have. So the ability to avoid the dead cap hitting all the, the cap on Wednesday is a good thing for the Patriots. You also mentioned the player himself and Devin McCourty. To me – and I don't mean to sound like pretentious here, but like people that judge and watch Patriots games solely on the TV copy, just don't really understand what Devin McCourty is doing back there because he's not on the screen half the time. Right. And that's, I'm not like saying that that's your fault. I'm just saying that the way that broadcasts broadcast football games, free safeties that line up 15, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage or off the screen for, 75% of the play or whatever it is. So McCourty is the type of guy that not only quarterbacks the back end, but they also protects big plays. He also leverages or helps guys leverage routes down the field. And essentially the entire coverage system that new England runs funnels through Devin McCourty. So that responsibility is so major that no rookie is really going to step into that role and be able to take it on. It's going to have to be something that they train a guy over a period of time to eventually take on because you have to essentially understand the defense like a quarterback of the defense. Like you have to understand how all 10 other parts are funneling into the rest of the defense because you have to understand your fit responsibilities against the run. You have to understand you know, what the pass rush call is, when the ball is going to get out, where the quarterback's reads are. There's just a lot of mental toll on a a free safety in Bill Belichick's system, which is why he keeps on keeping on with Devin McCourty. If it was somebody that they could just put in and say, oh, this guy's going to play center field, no problem, then that would be different. But it's a lot more responsibility than just go out there and play center field. So that that's a big reason why Devin McCourty is coming back. We also have uh, Brian Hoyer uh, resigning with the team, Matthew Slater back with the Patriots next year. I think this is an interesting angle about maybe not so much with Hoyer, but with Slater and McCourty being two of the culture or, or kind of tone setters for this team. It is interesting that the Patriots are not ready to – pass the baton to any of these younger players to kind of take on that leadership void that McCourty and Slater hold. Well, I, I wonder if that you talk about not being ready to pass it on at those two spots, they don't really have anybody to pass it on to. Yeah. Specifically deep safety. I mean, Slater's a little different, although they honestly, right now, Brandon King's a free agent. They don't have an obvious replacement at Gunner. Most of their, you know, special team specialists are interior guys. Cody Davis, uh, uh, Joshua Bledsoe is going to be a special teams guy. Like those guys play inside the formation. Those guys don't play on the outside. I guess maybe Christian Wilkerson uh, would be the guy if if Slater had decided to retire. The guy internally. I I actually think Hoyer of those uh, of those two. If we're going to talk about you know leadership and veteran leadership, 
I went back this morning and I actually wrote about it on 985thesportshub.com. It's up there right now. You go back and you look at what Max said about working with Brian Hoyer. You look yeah. at what Bill Belichick said about having Brian Hoyer in the building. You look at what Josh McDaniels said about having Brian Hoyer in the building in that quarterback room with Mac. You look at what Hoyer himself said about that relationship. That's a very, especially, especially with all of the offensive coaching turnover, right? All of the people who said yeah. when we were worried about who's going to be the quarterback's coach, all of the people who said just make just make Hoyer the quarterback's coach, you can't complain about the contract because that's essentially what they did. Right. That's essentially what they did, and that's good. That's good. I think having him in that room is going to be very valuable. The other thing is, I know two years, four million sounds aggressive, right? The Cardinals paid um, uh, McCoy, Colt McCoy, two years, seven and a half million, six guaranteed. So double, basically yeah. double what Hoyer got to play the same role. And the reality is, I think Hoyer may be more valuable to his situation than Colt McCoy because you're investing in him for two years to work with the young quarterback. Is Kyler still going to be the quarterback of the Cardinals in two years? I don't know. Matt yeah. should still be the starting quarterback of the Patriots in two years. If not, his development didn't work, and you're beyond that anyway. So they got Hoyer back for a very important role. He's not going to play a ton. Very important role. They got him back at what I would call half his market value, based on what Colt McCoy signed. That was a big one for me. Yeah, so Brian Hoyer has roots in the New England area. He built a house here last year. He doesn't want to play for anybody else but the Patriots. But to believe it or not, and honestly, don't get it wrong, like Brian Hoyer has a market. Like there, there are people out there that would have signed Brian Hoyer. Teams out there oh, that yeah. the Patriots didn't get this done that would have signed Brian Hoyer. Now, do I know for a fact that Brian Hoyer would have left New England with all of his family roots here? Not necessarily, but – Football season's only four or five months and you go elsewhere, your kids and the wife stay here and then you come back in the off season and everything is all well and good. Uh, players do that constantly all the time. Not every player has their family with them all the time in the location that they're playing at. So it's not unheard of uh, to go that direction. So all these cries of Brian Hoyer being a quarterback's coach, why the heck would Brian Hoyer want to be a quarterback's coach right now? He is right. a commodity that is in demand at a much higher salary for much less work and much less time in the building until somebody says to Brian Hoyer until the NFL as a whole all 32 teams say to Brian Hoyer there is not a job for you in the National Football League unless you're a coach then why the heck would Brian Hoyer ever agree to be a coach I mean like I, I just don't understand this thought process of automatically assuming that Brian Hoyer would just agree to be the quarterback's coach like why why would he right. want to be the quarterback's coach when he can just be on the roster and be an nfl qb with an nfl qb contract even even if it is as a backup like he doesn't want to start nowadays i mean there, there was a report this morning shortly after he signed that he he wasn't going to take the minimum because he knew he could make more than the minimum and people are surprised when this happens all the time but you look at guys like josh mccown right? Colt McCoy, who just hang around the league forever, and they don't really play, but they're there. That's because they're just yeah. valuable resources to have in the room. Hoyer's kind of hit that level. Like you said, teams aren't going to be worried about what he can do physically. Yeah, It's his value in that room. He's going to be in the league another five or six years, probably. I don't yeah. know how, how old is he. That might be a little much, but he's like, he could play both years of the two-year deal. His uh, rookie season was, 
was 09, right? So, 09, I'm, I'm yeah, he's, he's 36, 30, yeah. He's 36, yeah. He's, he could play four more years. Would McCown play to 40, 41? Four right, years. Four years definitely realistic. Like playing, so. Right, you exactly. Know. Yeah. All right. So we talked about Brian Hoyer. We talked about all these other signings. But obviously, uh, the news coming down here in less, uh, a little bit over an hour ago, the Patriots are without J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson has moved on to the Los Angeles Chargers. The Pats now going back to the drawing board at cornerback, essentially outside of Jalen Mills and Jonathan Jones coming back from that injury. Well, hang on. You want a breaking one here? This is actually interesting. Okay. DeMar- this is from uh, Tom Pelissero just now. Demarcus Lawrence has become the first defensive end in NFL history to have seven straight seasons of his contract fully guaranteed. He's got a new three-year deal with Dallas, fully guaranteed $30 million. Wow. Good player. I get it. That's, I actually thought at this point that Chandler Jones would have signed by now because that dude is still a stud. I thought so too. This market has moved a lot. We talked about this earlier off the air, right before JC Jackson's news came out and then Carlton Davis domino fell right after that. That This market has been a little bit backwards. Like guys like Braxton Berrios are some of the big early day signings, right? And you see uh, the offensive linemen like Karras and Kappa going to the Bengals. We didn't, the big first big contract was Christian Kirk, but there was a good four or five hours there before J.C. Jackson news broke where we did, we were kind of going backwards. Like the, the low-level guys were getting their deals done while the big dominoes were still yet to fall. And typically speaking in NFL free agency, 1201 hits and Adam Schefter's got it in the draft. So, you know, all the big-name free agents and where they're signing. As we sit here at 645, Allen Robinson still hasn't signed anywhere. The net rest of the dominoes in the cornerback market still haven't moved. Chandler Jones is still out there on the defensive end market. I mean, there's some really big chips that are still on the board right now. Well, I, I think what's happened is these middle-of-the-market players, right, are jumping Great value. at these – Right, they're jumping at these massive deals. These middle-of-the-market players are jumping at these massive deals – and what it's doing is it's driving up the top of the market guys and they'll wait and they'll keep letting all these middle of the market guys take big money. Cause their price is only going up further and further. You mentioned Chandler Jones. Why isn't Chandler Jones signed yet? I think I, you know, my, one of the earlier signings of the day, and this was a thought I had Hassan Reddick, right? Goes to the Eagles three right. years, 45 million, 30 guaranteed. Well, and that, that's, that's a good money for him. That's really good yeah. money for Reddick. Well, yeah. Chandler Jones should make more than Hassan Reddick. Those numbers are probably what, closer to what I thought Jones would get than what Reddick would get. So now all of a sudden, Jones' market totally shifts and teams have to adjust. So I think that's where this backwards order is coming from. And I think it's this might be a thing now. Like if I'm an agent, I'm because you're going to make the most money off the bigger deals. I'm getting the smaller deals signed first to jack that price up. This This yeah. might be a thing, which is interesting, but also kind of sucks. Because then you risk becoming baseball where the big name players don't sign until like days before the regular season. Right. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting pattern. It's you. I think you, you hit it uh, head on. And I think that the biggest thing is too, is that 
because these big contracts are getting so big, a lot of teams are looking at it too. And I think this is how Bill Belichick looks at it as frustrating as it is at times as a Patriots fan. And he says, well, I'd rather have player X at half of what player Y is making. So let's just get it done. Right. Like I, I would rather have the player at nine, $10 million a year uh, at a cornerback position instead of $18 million a year, like JC Jackson. So why am I, making this happen with JC Jackson. I, I, I think it's really interesting though, how backwards this market has been this year and, and maybe some signs of things to come, but back to JC here for a second, a lot of angry people, Alex in the chat. And I'm sure a lot of angry people in both of our Twitter mentions right now as well. And everybody in Patriot land, I'm sure if we turned on the 98.5 right now, Alex, everybody on the caller lines and things like that would be going nuts as well. I don't know. I don't want to like sound like a, a Patriots apologist and, and come at it from that angle, but I, I guess it's where do the Patriots go from here? I think is really the only way we can, I don't, I don't want to yet take the, the flame and the, the flamethrower to the front office, right? Cause we, it's still so early in the process. There's still a long way to go, but if you're the Patriots to replace JC Jackson, are you going out and using the money you're going to give JC to sign two veteran corners and trying to fill the gaps that way? Or would you really like to see them turn their attention to the draft? Both, both. I'd go one and one I said it before. I'll say I, like, I think you draft, you're going to have to hit on a pick. And I know I say that and everybody kind of tenses up a little bit because, oh boy, here we go again. Right. Right. You're going to have, cause it, the reality is it's not like, it's not like there's somebody waiting who's a year away. Right. It's not like they need to stop a stop gap for a year. If they had a young corner, like, like uh, when, um when Butler left, right. Right. And they had Gilmore and then they had, you know, JC Jackson. We didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Decent first year. Yeah. Decent first year. We didn't know if he was truly like a 70, 80% snap guy or not. But it was like, you know what? If they can just get a one-year stopgap, somebody to split the snaps, they'll be fine. They went out, they signed Jason McCourty. Like, that would be great, right? That'd be excellent. That's not the case right now. That's not. You don't have that guy. So I think you need to go into the draft, try to hit on a kid, and yeah. then you get a veteran on a one-year deal, and then you reevaluate. Because the other thing is, and maybe this is wishful thinking here, and I'm you know, I'm going to throw a lot of what ifs out there. Like this is very hypothetical, very everything going their way. If they hit on it, let's say they do that, right? They go the veteran draft, call it right. Andrew Booth, Joe Hayden, because those have been the names that have been in my head all day. Let's say they hit it. Let's say they hit it. Let's say they hit it. And Andrew Booth is amazing, right? Yes. Well, all of a sudden now, you know what you're looking for. Right. So then what are the odds they could go back next year and hit again? So this isn't, I'm not investing in any of these veterans in free agency. I just don't think it's that. That's the other thing about this. It's not a great class. If Carlton Davis was still out there, I'd be pounding the table for Carlton Davis right now. Get him, give him essentially slightly less than JC's deal. If you have to give him five years, give him five years, a young guy. Right. Um, I think what you do is you, you draft the guy, sign a veteran, don't commit. Sign a veteran. Because if you have to go year by year at one corner spot, that's fine. Just don't end up going year by year at both. And you talk about signing two veterans. The class isn't there for that to work. The players aren't available for that to work unless they're going to swing something massive, unless somebody who we don't know is available suddenly becomes available. So I'm, I'm rambling now. Draft a kid, small commitment to a veteran, cross your fingers. 
that's where it seems like we're at. And I think this is the biggest second guess of this entire thing from Bill Belichick's perspective with the front office and the decisions they made here with JC Jackson. They're no longer thinking progressively in my mind or forward thinking as much anymore uh, than I would like to see because the move here from the Patriots side of things was to franchise tag JC Jackson, right? That was the move. The move was to tag Jackson, allow him to play on the tag. You draft right. your Kyrie Ilum in the second round or early for uh, late first round. And then you allow that guy to then take over for JC in 2023. It's okay right. that you don't want to give JC Jackson five years, 82 and a half million. I don't think that anybody should have a real issue with the fact that the Patriots didn't want to go there. The issue that the page that people should have with the Patriots is that they did not progressively think about this hole that was about to be open. And now they're putting themselves in a situation where you're either going to have a young player starting and playing a ton of games, or you're going to have a veteran corner like a Jalen Mills, like a Russell Douglas, like a Darius Williams, like a Kyle Fuller, whichever name you want to use that's in over his head, at least one. And if you have one of those guys being your number one, and then Jalen Mills is now your number two, then two guys are technically in over their heads a little bit. Right. So right. that's the biggest problem or the biggest second guess that I have with this is the move. You knew JC Jackson was going to get paid. You knew you weren't going to be the ones to pay him. Fine. Then the move was to kick this can down the road to next season to buy yourself some more time because you didn't draft a corner early last year. You paid Jalen Mills in free agency, but you knew he wasn't a number one guy. This offseason should have been the focus of let's find the next guy behind J.C., just like they did with Stephon Gilmore, right? They found J.C. Jackson. Right. They developed J.C. They made him into the next guy. I'm not ready to crown Sean Wade. I don't think Sean Wade is that dude, right? I mean, JC was at least showing early on with Gilmore how good he was. Like, that's not right. the guy. So now I think we're in a position where you are in a very, very tough spot going into the rest of free agency in the offseason where you're probably either going to have a rookie in a very, very pivotal role in your secondary or you're going to have a veteran player that really doesn't deserve to be the top guy on your depth chart being in that spot. And you, you all you could have done was tag JC and you would have gotten him for a discount. Like, quite frankly, $17.3 million is a discount for J.C. Jackson at this point, and the Patriots didn't do it. And that's one thing I can't necessarily figure out. The only argument that I can make for the fact that they didn't do that is maybe they felt like that was tying up too much money in their cap. Because when you sign a guy to a franchise tag and it's $17.3 million, he counts for $17.3 million against your cap. So that would right. have been it. Right. They wouldn't have been able to do anything else at that point. I think that's probably going to be the argument that they make. I think that could have been it. They didn't have many needs. You bring back – like on top of that, what do you have to do? Bring back Devin McCourty, which I think they could have made work, right? Right. And then really, you Basically know, the line, linebacker made. and tackle you McCourty, can address through the draft. Right. McCourty, Slater, Hoyer, which they could have probably done right. anyways. And then, as you said, all the other things get pushed towards the draft. Right. And then, but then you talk about, you know, tackle still, maybe if you swing it a certain way, like if you swing it a certain way, maybe becomes a luxury need, at least for this year, then linebackers, your only desperate need, you can bump wide receiver up. I, you kind of hit on it before. I, I do want to bring it up. 
we talked about this a lot when Gronk left, right? Replacing Rob Gronkowski, that there just was a lack of urgency for his departure and and they didn't draft a tight end for whatever it was, 10 years, something like that. Right. This this is the bigger point for me. It's not a fail. Like this was inevitable. It was a a, a a failing to prepare that set this up in that, you know, going back to the drafts, you said they didn't draft a corner high last year. They didn't draft a corner at all. Yeah. And they they only had one UDFA. I get they had a bunch of veterans on the roster. I would have brought in a U. They could have figured out a way to bring in a UDFA. The year before that, when you knew Gilmore was kind of on shaky ground, you didn't know if he was going to play 2021. They had, I think this is 10 picks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 picks. No corners, no right. corners, three linebackers, two tight ends, no corners. The year before that, Juwan Williams in the second round. The year before that, Duke Dawson well, in the second round. I think that's probably where we can have the issue of where they missed on this, right? So that's it. So they started missing. They yeah. started missing and they just stopped taking guys. That's not, that's not like the, they, they need to keep going. They need to keep going. Yeah. They just kind of shut it down and said, you know what? We're not going to add anybody. They could have taken corners in the on day three. They have so much success developing guys at that position. Look at where JC came from. That just for them to not add, even as a UDFA over the last two years, right? So Jalen Mills is really the only corner they brought in the building. They brought in the Miles. Miles Bryant, thank you, in the slot. Right. Yeah, Miles Bryant, you're right, correct. Um, and then Sean Wade last year, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Yeah. You knew this day was cut. Co- they knew this day was coming for probably two years and they didn't do anything to address it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing for me today is you can second guess the Patriots if you want on the fact that they weren't willing to give that contract to JC Jackson, but that's not where I'm at. I'm second right. guessing the Patriots because they did not have the foresight to prepare for the fact that they knew that they were not going to pay JC Jackson, because this is a thing that started at the combine when they made that three year, uh, $51 million offer to JC, they knew at that point in time that he, they were not going to match that market. They knew it right then and there that they were not going to be in the sweepstakes for JC, at least on a long-term deal. And they had until the other day to franchise tag them, right? They had until, until last uh, Wednesday right. to place the tag on them. So they had that period of time to sit there and say, okay, well, we're not going to reach this long-term deal. We'll tag him. We'll bring him back next year. We'll play it out. We'll draft a couple corners, and then we'll have some guys in the back uh, of the depth chart to then hopefully rise up a little bit more. And they yeah. didn't go that route. And I just—that's the part of it that I can't really figure out. Well, and this is something they were so good at in the past, staying ahead of these personnel things, right? Just when a guy left, there was almost always another guy there ready to go. And this is obviously there's just one other instance. Where that didn't happen, but one, it's kind of a unique position to have somebody ready and waiting, and they rectified it within a year. They did. So maybe they'll do that again at corner, but they only needed one guy. They didn't need two. So it's, you know, it's just something they've, that, that to me is why it's so shocking. Like, I don't mean this to come off as me bashing them. It's almost just raw surprise because this is something that, you know, move on from the player a year too early, not too late, be prepared, next man up, all of that. They've been so good at that for 20 years. And again, outside of Brady, which is honestly a unique situation. Right. This really feels like the first, like when else did they have, they lost, I guess Gronk, you know, where they lost a player and just, there was no clear in-house option. next It doesn't happen here a lot. 
Right. So this actually reminds me more to go back a little ways. This reminds me more of Asante Samuel because right, like we said they, earlier in the show, they tagged Asante Samuel, and we talked about this when it happened when the when we did the, the tag show last week. The Patriots did tag Asante Samuel, and then Samuel walked the year after he played on the franchise tag. The 07 season, Asante Samuel played on the franchise tag. When they allowed Asante Samuel to walk after the 07 season, there was a dearth of cornerback talent, really between 2008 to 2013, when they finally made that trade for Aqib Tlaib, or 2012 was the Tlaib trade, right? 2012. He was 11. It was 12. Uh, deadline. 12, okay. They made the keep to leave with trade in 2012. So that team in 11 makes the Super Bowl against the Giants as one of the worst defenses in NFL history to make a Super Bowl. I think they were the 31st or 32nd ranked pass defense in the league that year. And they made the Super Bowl because of their offense. That time period, there was clearly a lack of, you know, we, we had, you know, guys like Sterling Moore and what do you say, Earthman Moreland and whatever, uh, these other freaking Hank guys, Poteet. Are, Hank Poteet, uh, Julian Edelman's playing defense at times, right? He's playing slot corner uh, because of who they have out there. And we saw what it looked like. It, they couldn't win, get over the hump. Not even Brady and Gronk and that offense in 11 that set all sorts of records could get them over the hump against the Giants in the Super Bowl. And that's, where it sort of feels like they're headed again because they allowed Asante Samuel to walk for the same reasons. Uh, probably they let JC Jackson walk today. I think in a lot of ways, Bill Belichick probably looked back at that Asante situation with JC and said, yeah, that this is kind of a comparable player. This is kind of the same sort of deal. And here, here we go again. But I felt like they had, sort of reinvented themselves where they went to leave. Then they went Revis. Then they went Malcolm Butler. Then they went Gilmore. Then they went JC, right? They had had a guy really in place for the last decade since 2012 that was ready to take that mantle. And they never really were without it. They were never without a number one corner throughout that stretch. And now we feel like we're going back towards that. And that's, We've seen what that looks like. Even with Brady, he had a tough time winning with that kind of defense. And now we have to go down that road with a second-year quarterback. It is worrisome. It is why we're, we have so many people in the chat that are freaking out right now. Because we remember what those defenses looked like from 2008 to 2012. And then we also remember in 2012, when Aqib Tlaib got here at the deadline, how much of a difference that made. It made an immediate difference, right? The, the, right. the light kind of switched on at that point. Then they get Revis in 14 and they win a Super Bowl. So the lack of foresight, the lack of planning for this J.C. Jackson departure has put the Patriots back into a secondary where I feel like we're going to be right back into that 2010-2011 Patriot defense where that secondary was held together by duct tape. And it was it was not – a defense that was Super Bowl caliber. They were getting carried there by the offense. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that does it for us here tonight. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Hopefully tomorrow we'll come, we can come back on with some positive news about the Patriots and not be all doom and gloom with the fact that JC. Again, it's a process. This is day one. Well, it's a long, long off season. It's a process. Correct. Uh, so we will talk tomorrow and we'll see. 
what goes on with the Patriots tomorrow. We're still waiting. Uh, obviously, they brought back Devin McCourty. Uh, they brought back Hoyer Slater, uh, as we mentioned earlier, tendered Jacoby Myers. We're still waiting for the Patriots to potentially make a move here, right? Actually bring in somebody from the right. outside and sign a free agent uh, that it wasn't with the team last year. We still haven't seen that, so hopefully uh, we see that in the next 24 hours here or so, and we'll go from there. And like Alex said, it's a long way. It's a marathon, not a sprint, so let's not all jump off just yet. But we'll see you guys later in the week. We'll obviously keep it updated here on Patriots Beat and on Patriots Press Pass. If there is breaking news that is worthy of us cutting in live right away, Either me and Alex or me and uh, John Zanis will be right here on Patriots Press Pass to break down the move for the Patriots one way or another. And Alex and I will keep you updated here on Patriots Speed as well. But thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight, guys. Sorry it was a little bit doom and gloom. Obviously, a player of J.C. Jackson's caliber walks out the door. It's going to be a little bit of a, uh, you know, this is the way it goes, right? This is the way it goes with these Look, types yeah, of cards. Like, if you watch this show, you know us. We're not trying to rag. We're not trying to be negative. We're not trying to, you know, bash the team. Like, we're yeah. just going to lay it out as it is. If it's good, it's good, and you'll come in and you'll call us bobos. If it's bad, it's bad, and you'll come in and you'll call us haters. Like, we're just – this is the situation as it exists right now. Long yeah. offseason ahead. A lot of work to do. Like, they're, they're still going to add players. If they don't add anybody to the roster they have right now, then, yeah, there's a lot to be upset about. They're going to add players. Everybody take a deep breath. It's nice out. Go outside. Go for a walk. It's, is it still light out? It's staying light late. I think it's getting dark now, but yeah, everybody breathe. It's going to be okay. They're going to have a team. We're going to be watching football in September. That's a good That's a good way to end it right there. So Alex and I will be back soon. We'll keep you guys updated on social media, on Twitter. Make sure you look out there. That's when we throw out those teases of when exactly we're going to be on and uh, when time the shows are going to start and all that kind of stuff. So you can join us live or you can watch us on the re-air. It always lives on Patriots Press Pass or wherever you get your podcasts as well. So you can watch us there, listen to us there as well. But until next time, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you soon.